don't overthink it, you know, uh, keep it simple. You know, keep it simple, break out the crayons, you know, write it on a napkin. You don't have to get super intensive. You don't have to write a whole manifesto in one sitting, you know, write your mission statement this week. Next week, define your ideal client avatar. The week after that, work on your values. You can piece it all together over time, but it's all about being intentional. It's all about being intentional and just keeping the ball moving. Hey everyone, welcome to the Lucky Pop Podcast, where we are taking big ideas and weaving them together in a way that makes the big picture relatable, inspirational, and hopefully educational too. You'll find candid and authentic conversations about the struggles we've encountered as we try to live more full and happy lives. Today, my guest is Doug of Doug the Dog Guy, and he is here to talk with us about business planning and the big picture and why even if business planning or strategic planning is hard, it is so important. And I can't wait for you to meet Doug and all that we talk about today. So let's dig right in. Here's Doug. Well, thank you, Doug, so much for coming on the Lucky Pup podcast today. And I think that you have so much skill and so much just to share with people, whether it's people who are pet sitters or just regular, you know, what I call like everyday business owners, people who aren't in the pet space. I think that this conversation especially can be really helpful for a lot of different people. Oh, man. Well, I I can't say thank you enough for for having me, Morgan. Like, I'm so excited to be here and to be talking to you and just so excited about your new podcast. This is awesome. Thank you. Well, I think a lot of people probably know you, Doug, as Doug the Dog Guy, and you have your own YouTube channel, and you were this year's Pet Setter of the Year. So congratulations on that. And it's probably not far-fetched to say that you're pretty well-known within the pet-sitting world. And um, I just think that people have gotten a really good insight into kind of your knowledge bank. And I'm really excited to get to talk with you a little bit more about that today. Yeah, you left some big shoes to fill with the pet-sitter of the year position. (laughs) You know, I had a lot of fun. And I know that you have done such a great job with sharing your skill set. And that was the thing that I loved most about being pet-sitter of the year is I love getting to meet people but also a little platform that you get to share some really cool things. And I was really big on sharing about burnout. And I love that you're really sharing a lot of business knowledge because I think a lot of people who get into business, whether it's a pet sitting business or really, I would say probably any kind of service-based business is people don't get into it because they really want to be business owners, but because they have a passion and they have a skill set and they want to share that with people. And so sometimes that business education side is kind of the the second fiddle, you could say, to the passion that they bring to the business. But then that also leaves a lot of people getting burned out and overworked and maybe working themselves into a place where they really aren't excited to be because they just didn't have that kind of again business foundation knowledge and strategy. And I think that's a lot of what you come with because you went to school with, you know, to learn about business and business administration. And so for you, you had that knowledge. And so how has that maybe helped you as a pet sitter? I will think, oh, gosh, well, you don't go to school to be a pet sitter, (laughs) but, you know, you can really bring some of those other skills in. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll say that when I first started pet sitting, I was actually going to school to be a pilot. I was in uh, flight training Mm -hmm. and I had no clue about anything to do with the business world. You know, I didn't know anything about anything. But I knew that I wanted to spend time around animals. I knew that I needed to make money to pay my bills. I knew that I wanted a dog of my own, but at the time I couldn't afford a dog of my own. So it was kind of like all of these stars just aligned where I could fit my needs of 
making money and paying my bills with my passions of being around animals. And it just kind of evolved naturally into an actual business. And I mean, I, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur or a business owner or anything, but I kind of immediately fell in love with it. As soon as, soon as I started to get clients and started to think about uh, the actual strategy behind how to attract clients and how to structure your services and uh, pricing appropriately in your market and all this kind of stuff. It's like, uh, I don't know, it, it's like an art form almost, you know, there's a <laughs> science behind it, but it's, it's also an art form at the same time. And uh, so I actually fell in love with it so much that I quit uh, my pilot training classes and switched my degree to a whole different school and everything to get the business administration degree. And, uh, you know, it's just been uh, an incredible ride since then. I was pretty like forward thinking of you, right? To be like, I'm, I want to do this thing and therefore I'm going to go and get some of that education so I can, you know, do it quote unquote better, right? Like not like, oh, if you don't have a business degree, you're doing business poorly. But, but you were like, hey, I feel like I need to learn something to, you know, why did you decide to go to back to business school? Yeah. I mean, the, the first year, really the first couple of years for my business was a struggle. I mean, it was a real grind. And I just made every mistake in the book, to be completely honest with you. I mean, I, like I said, I didn't know anything about anything, but I knew that I wanted to do this long term. I mean, I just, Getting paid to hang out with animals and and make an impact on their lives and their families' lives and and through our services, our, our clients are able to accept promotions at work or take the vacation they mm -hmm. wanted to always take because of the services that we are providing. And and I knew that that is something that I wanted to do long term. And I knew that I couldn't do it long term if I didn't get a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of skill set under my belt. And it just seemed like the the natural next step was to switch schools, you know, go get the business degree. And I know, like, just while we're talking about college degrees, there's a lot of pros and cons there, I think, especially in today's society, you hear mm -hmm. all kinds of different stuff. I think we both grew up with parents where, you know, it was expected that we would go to college, we would get a degree. Yeah, there was no question. Yeah. There was not like. Oh, what are you going to It was no, you're going to go, you're going to college. And which one would you like to go to? Right. Exactly. Exactly. There was no question about it. So, <laughs> but uh, a lot of the stuff that I learned getting my business degree didn't, doesn't fit exactly to how I run my business day to day, but I learned some overall concepts really mm -hmm. just push me in the right direction and kind of frame my mindset around things, you know, especially when it comes to. Uh, how to look at my overall market and compare my business to other businesses and what they are doing when it comes to right, your overall business plan. Uh, I know that's something we're going to talk a little bit about today, but that's where I learned a little bit about a business plan, the importance of having one and some of the things to include in it. You know, I learned in these classes and like I said, it, it just um, really helped push me in the right direction. I love that. Yeah. So I came at business. So I like to joke, I was in Future Business Leaders of America Club in high school, not because I cared at all about business, but because it was like a social activity and I got to go to conferences. <laughs> and that's literally the only reason why I signed up. Um, 
And I always said, like, I'm never going to be an entrepreneur. I'm never going to be a business owner. Like, I was going to go to architecture school and I was going to work in a firm. And, you know, maybe someday I could become partner or something. But that was like the furthest thing from my mind. And I've learned so much about business through architecture school, which, you know, it had one business class in architecture school. It was called professional practice. And it was just kind of this add-on class that nobody took all of that seriously because it was like contracts and, you know, like liability and all of these things that sounded terrible <laughs> at the time, which is probably one of the reasons why I'm not in architecture anymore. But I remember my professor said, um, if you look at most businesses, they think that their business is the service that they provide. But really your business is that, you know, the why behind your business. So he, like, he used the example of um, the rail business. So if all of these rail companies thought that their business was like moving goods instead of being a rail line, they would have invented airplanes and over the road trucking and all of these things. And all these major rail companies wouldn't have just kind of died off. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about that mindset that you can bring from these other things that you've learned and bring them into your pet sitting business and apply them in a way that really helps you go, like you said, the long term. And I think that's something especially for a lot of pet sitters. Again, they might just get into business because, hey, I started doing this on the side and it went kind of well and I got more clients and then I could quit my other job and I could do this full time. But when we think about it's something like only 50 percent of businesses make it past five years and only 25 percent of businesses make it past 15 years. And you think about, OK, if I want to be doing this for the long term, how do I become that 25 percent? You know, how do I keep going and do this in a way where I'm not burnt out and I do enjoy my clients and I enjoy the work that we're doing? And I think that you have brought up some really great points about how creating a good business plan can actually answer those questions. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think you made a couple really great points there that uh, I never viewed my services as pet sitting and dog walking. I've never really thought of myself as a pet sitter or, or a dog walker, as crazy as that sounds, because I've always viewed it as, you know, my dog walking services are what's going to allow a person to go accept that promotion at work or go have drinks with their friends after work or whatever it may be. Our, my pet sitting services is allowing them the opportunity to go backpack across Europe or, you know, do these these lifelong dreams that they have held. And, you know, it's not about pet sitting or dog walking to me. It's something so much more than that. You know, we're really making an impact on these people's lives through what we do. Um, and I think kind of viewing everything, everything about our business through that lens is really important. I totally agree. And I think it's like the purpose, right? I think if you, my opinion, um, if you don't have that underlying purpose and those that kind of mission of your business, it's a lot easier to just throw in the towel when it gets really hard because business right. is hard. And I think there's sometimes this misconception of like, well, if I get my business to X stage of growth, it's going to be easier. And I have found that to not be true. I don't know about yep. you, <laughs> but it's hard no matter what. You know, it's hard even when you have people helping you. Um, and it's so easy to say, you know, this is not worth it anymore. But when you have that purpose and those kind of that mission and those values that underline your business, I think it's a lot easier to see a reason to keep going maybe when things get hard 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. And especially as a pet sitter or a dog walker, you know, there's days where, you know, we may be out in the field walking in the heat or walking in the snow, you know, for 12 hours a day or more. And we may, you know, we, we build these relationships with pets and their families and we see them go through things. And, and that impacts us on so many different levels. Um, I know we've both had instances where we've cried in clients' driveways and, you know, mm-hmm. that if you don't have a true purpose for what you are doing and a true mission for your overall business and values outlined to keep you going on those long, hard days, then it will be really easy to just say, man, I'm throwing in the towel. I'm going to go work for somebody else. I'm going to a cubicle, mm-hmm. you know, and <laughs> we, we've all been yes. there. We've had those days. But to me, it's it's always comes back down to, you know, this is the impact I'm making on my community. This is the mission that I am on. It's not about the pets that are the dog walk. It's about this greater vision and, you know, kind of circling that back around to your actual business plan. That's where I always uh, advise people to start with your business plan. I think when you think about business planning, it can get really overwhelming. You know, uh, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think you only need a business plan if you're getting investors or, you know, uh, getting a business loan. And they think that it has to be this exact uh, correct format and all this kind of stuff. And I say throw all that out the window. You know, as pet sitters and dog walkers, we don't need a business plan to present to the bank or to investors. We need a business plan that is going to keep us on track and to allow Mm -hmm. us to really reverse engineer our dream is if we don't have a strategy and we don't have a plan and we don't have some of these values and different things outlined, then we're just going to be kind of bouncing from one thing Mm -hmm. to the next. And if you allow yourself to do that, I mean, not only is it going to slow your growth, but you may wake up one day and say, dang, this isn't where I thought I was going. I don't want to be here. You have to be really intentional with every decision that you make. And I mean, the one, one of my uh, favorite analogies about business, I say this in a lot of my YouTube videos, is that I, I think of my business as a painting. Mm-hmm. Every stroke of your brush is going to affect the entire canvas. Even if it's just a little tiny brush stroke in the bottom corner of the canvas, you are mm-hmm. changing the entire painting. Everything mm-hmm. fits together. And, and that's how we should think of our business. I totally agree on that. And I come at it a very similar way, but I use it as an example of a building. So like I designed buildings for six years and I think of my business like a building, right? So you change the color of the paint on the walls and that's going to affect how the floor looks, you know, and you don't necessarily go at it and thinking like, oh, like I just would like a new color on the walls. Cool. But do you realize like what ripple effects that's going to have or like I'm going to put a window over here? Well, now do you recognize what kind of again, what effects that's going to have? And I see a lot in say Facebook groups or people asking for business advice. And it's like, well, I just need advice on this one little thing. And if they don't realize that that one little thing is actually connected to about 20 other decisions, but they're just they're really looking at it kind of piecemeal. And we really need to look at businesses like as a system, as a painting, kind of as this larger whole. And like you said, every little piece, it makes a difference somewhere else, even if we don't recognize it up front. Right. Yeah. I, I just saw a post on Facebook yesterday that was saying, you know, you don't need 
to post more content. You don't need uh, to to have more accounts on these different platforms. You don't need more relationships with other businesses. You don't need software. You need an overall strategy mm. that you know is encompassing of everything to make sure yes. all of the points connect together in this way. You know, and it, it's so easy to you, you see these posts on Facebook and especially in the Pester Dog Walker Facebook groups of people asking for advice on different things. And people will comment on there saying, well, you need to do this or it has to be this, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And it's never that cut or dry. It's never that black mm-hmm. or white. There's always so many other things that you have to take into consideration. And that's why I love putting things into writing, you know, for me. You know, I, I carry this notebook uh, with me everywhere, every day, and I'm constantly writing things down and jotting mm-hmm. things down and drawing them out to make sure that before I roll anything out, before I make a decision, before I sign up for this or do that, that all of the points align and connect with my overall strategy that's, you know, leading me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to get distracted by things like i i i have a lot of stuff going on <laughs> you don't say you don't say right i've got i kind of joke that whenever i write my 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 name or like what business title out i've i started putting at all behind so like when you write a like a re- research paper and there's too many authors to list they write at all and so now i'm like lucky pub adventures at all because <laughs> We do pet sitting. I've got memorial candles. Uh, my husband does aquarium maintenance. I've got this podcast now. Like, there's so many things going on, and like I've wanted to start this podcast for probably a couple years now, but I've just been waiting because it wasn't the right time. And I knew that once I did it, I needed to commit to it. Like, right, you start a podcast, people expect there to be more than a couple episodes. Yep. And so, you know, plan- trying to fit this in in a way where I feel like I can commit to, you know, continuing this forward. But it's so hard because I think especially in the pandemic, like in 2020, as pet sitters especially got really concerned because they- we saw a huge loss of income because all of a sudden people are staying home. They're not traveling. They're working from home. It really changed how we had to look at our business. And so for a lot of us, we maybe started offering other things like that you see all the time. Oh, you have to diversify. You have to diversify. But if you don't have that intention behind it, all you're doing is giving yourself more work. Right. Like for a while, I started doing um, I kind of did a soft launch on dog treats because I love baking. And I thought, oh, this would be a great fit. And it was fantastic for COVID times when we had a little bit less work. But as soon as work started picking back up again, I was like, I can't do this unless I am going to buy all of this equipment, you know, to make my life easier. And I was like, nope, end of end of dog treats. Yep. And so, like you said, like intentional. So how do you look at that and say, this is what I can actually manage? Because it's one thing to put it on paper and to say, oh, yeah, I can totally have a dog walking company and a memorial candle business and do, you know, all of these things. But when we look at in like, how do you find the realistic portion I, I kind of struggle, to be honest, with making business plans and making, um, you know, like company budgets and things like that, because it feels like a guessing game, Doug. It feels like I'm just going to assume what the future is going to bring. And I have this little magic ball and I'm going to, you know, know exactly what's coming. And therefore, I can make a plan for that. But that's not real life. Right. And so, like, I can right. think, oh, man, I'm going to hire a bunch of dog walkers and we're going to start adventure walks and we're going to start doing a taxi business like 
how do you bring some realism into yeah. making a business plan? Oh, man, this is really important to me because I, I, I have like a squirrel brain. Yeah, you. this is why you and I get along well. Yes. <laughs> we totally. have a lot of ideas up in our yep. brains and trying to find the right time. You know, I have a I had a business coach where she said, you know, right strategy, right time. So just yep. because something's a good idea doesn't necessarily mean this is the right time to implement that idea. So how do you bring that into a business plan? Yeah, to to me, it starts with my mission statement. You know, every single, because I constantly have ideas flying around in my head. I'm constantly jotting new ideas down. And I'm like you, I, I, I want to bake the dog treats and I want to, uh, you know, drive dogs across the country. And I want to, you know, have my team of pet sitters and dog walkers and the YouTube channel and all this different kind of stuff. And it's not always feasible. So if I can bring it all back down to this mission statement and say, does this uphold my overall mm -hmm. mission? Yes or no. If it's a yes, then I can consider it and take it to the next round of evaluations. You know, but if it's a no, then even if I love the idea and it sounds really exciting right now, if it's a no, then I've got to throw it out. You know, mm -hmm. and that just makes my decision making process a lot easier in and of itself. But then within my business plan, you know, I outlined some kind of broad things like my mission, my vision, my ideal client avatar, their demographics, you know, some things like that. But within this business plan, I actually have a five-year goal. I always have a five-year goal. And I view my business plan as a, a living, breathing document, you know, and I actually set aside a whole week at the end of every year to sit down and be very intentional about reviewing and revising my business plan every year. And within this five-year goal, I am able to break it down and say, okay, I know if I want to be here within five years, then this is what I need to have done in four years. And if I'm going to have that done in four years, this is what I need to have done in three years and two years and one year. And so if I know if I have to have this task completed by the end of this year, what do I have to do each month hmm. to get there? And then once I have my monthly tasks written out, it's like, what do I have to do each week? And then once you have your weekly tasks written out, it's what do I have to do each day? I know without a doubt that for me to achieve this five-year goal, that I have to roll this you know, change to our services out this week. I'm thinking five years ahead on everything. So again, I'm bringing all these new ideas, all this different stuff I have in my head. I first bring it to that mission statement. And then I look at this five-year goal and I break it down and I say, does it make sense? You know, will this get me to where I need to be in a year or should mm -hmm. I push it off a year? Should I take it off the board entirely? You know, and, and you can really start evaluating this stuff based off of actual data and metrics and look at your calendar and just see, do you even have the time for it? I think that's the that's the situation that you and I probably both find <laughs> the most is like, I want to do all these things, uh, but there's no time left on the calendar. So that makes it a pretty mm -hmm. easy decision that even if I love the idea and I get really excited about it, if there's not time, then I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, it's that is, I think, the hardest thing for me as a business owner is and honestly, as a person is just understanding, like, what is a reasonable amount of stuff I can get done in a day? 
And so, yeah. especially when I look at my calendar, like my pet sitting calendar, shout out to Time to Pet. Um, hey. it has it has all of my pet sitting services that I need to complete during the day. And then I'll try to put on my personal, you know, things too. So if I'm getting a haircut, if I, you know, recording a podcast, like all of that goes on the calendar. But it's really easy to look at that calendar and to forget that, like, I have to eat <laughs> and that I have to, like, go to the grocery store and I've got to take my dogs for a walk, like my own personal dogs, because <laughs> they sometimes get forgotten about when I'm walking yep. everybody else's dog. <laughs> you know, like all of these life things. So I, I look at my calendar and I was like, oh, I've got three hours. Well, not really, because I have to fill those with all these other things that I need to do. But I've gotten better about. For my to-do list, I try to only have like one thing each day that I'm going to try to get done. There's actually a book called The One Thing, and it I found it to be really enlightening of, yeah, Doug, write this down. I, I'm making notes. Make a note because we're going to have a book club later. Um, yes. And yeah, it's called The One Thing, and it's written by Gary Keller of Keller Williams, a yeah. real estate company. And his big thing was you only have one thing to do for a day. That way, if you can get that one thing done, it's a success. And if you can get more than one thing done, that's cool. But we're not pushing ourselves to be like, well, I got six things to do today. And if I only get one done, well, one, you might not do that one thing super well because you're trying to, you know, shove all these other things in as well. But it just really helps you, like, think about what is actually feasible for the day. And it needs to be a reasonable item. You know, it can't be like, write an entire business plan. Well, that's probably too much for one day. But like you said, start with your mission, start with your values, you know, and then kind of work on from there. But if we're only trying to do one thing in a day, it makes it a lot more reasonable. So when someone's looking at that business plan thinking, okay, well, here's where I want to be in five years or here's where I want to be at the end of the year. Maybe you know that you have a big change coming. Maybe it's a family change. Maybe it's, you know, a life change or a business change. Maybe one of your best employees is leaving. You know, how do you kind of work that backwards? But if you can say, I'm only going to focus on one thing per day, it would make it a little bit easier to not um, be too ambitious <laughs> in your yearly goals, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, I I love the idea of the one thing. I'm going to read this book. I always love your book recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, on on this note, you know, I always have a weekly to-do list and mm-hmm. I time block everything. Same, just like you on Time to Pet. And I put everything on there and, and I hold myself to it. I scan in and out of uh, my personal appointments as if they were a dog walk or a drop in mm-hmm. visit when it comes to like this, this recording. It was on my Time to Pet schedule and mm-hmm. it's all I had scheduled for this morning. But for my weekly tasks, I have a, a quadrant. It's the urgency and importance mm. quadrant. That's you a know, good one. <laughs> yeah. And I love it. And I know that if I ever have more than one task in the urgent and important block, mm. that I've got too much on my plate. I need to reevaluate. You do that for each for each yep. week. So like every week you're writing yourself a new little quadrant to say, OK, this is the important things I need to get done this week. These are maybe the urgent things, but they're not super important. Right. And then that's how you can work through. Yeah, that's how I prioritize all of my tasks. And, you know, mm. uh, life happens. You know, sometimes you won't get to every single thing on your list, you know, and it's some then it'll roll over to the next week. That happens from time mm-hmm. to time. But 
I really try to hold myself to this, what is urgent and what's important. And it just really helps me prioritize. And if I don't give myself a way to prioritize tasks like that, then it gets overwhelming for me because then I'll look at my time to pet schedule mm-hmm. and I'll see, oh my God, I have to do this and this and this and this and this. And, this. and then you, mm-hmm. you start spiraling and the anxiety creeps in and, yeah. and it's like, you don't even know where to start at that point. But if you can say, yes, this is the most urgent, this is the most important, you know, it's, it brings clarity to the whole situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that, especially doing it each week. Um, I, one of my struggles is I tend to think like daily as opposed to like weekly. And so sometimes um, it's really easy also for something that I think is maybe more urgent, but less important to kind of sneak yeah. in. And then at the end of the day, it's like, oh, gosh, I have this thing tomorrow that I have to prepare for. And I forgot to prepare for it earlier in the day. So now my evening time, which I should be spending with my dogs and my family are now spent you know, working when I should be having some like personal time. Um, And I love that you mentioned this quadrant. So I had a business coach who told me to take that quadrant and apply it to business, but apply it to the items that you think you want to do in your business. This might work into a business plan in terms of it's instead of like important and urgent, it's how easy or hard is a task? And then what kind of revenue is that task going to bring in? So if you have something that is not going to take a lot of time, but it's going to bring in a lot of revenue, that's something that might want to get moved up on the list. Where if you have something that's going to take a lot of effort, a lot of planning, but it's not going to bring in a lot of revenue, maybe that needs to go further down on the list. And so for those of us who do have a lot of ideas that we really want to implement, thinking about that might be another way to help um, figure out what to do next or what should get put on the business plan for this year, but maybe needs to go on the plan for next year instead. Yeah. Yeah. And remember that you're running a marathon, not a sprint. You know, I think a lot of the business owners that I talk to feel like they have to be doing all of the things right now, you know, and and, And all at once. once. (laughs) And it's just not possible. I mean, you will burn yourself out trying to live that way. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say like, yeah, this is a great idea and it does fit my mission and it does help me get to my five year plan, but not today. I can get to this Mm. in six months and it'll be just as good Mm -hmm. six months from now as it would now. Probably even better because then you can actually put in the time and effort and energy that it actually needs and deserves. So because I have a book for everything, (laughs) (laughs) there's actually a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. I think that's the title. If you have Audible Pro or like the monthly subscription version of Audible, it's included. At least it used to be included in the free book that you could get. And as a procrastinator, I loved that book because it it gave in a way it gave permission to procrastinate. And essentially what he is saying is much like what you just said is the longer you have to think about something and the longer you have to kind of noodle on it and decide when to do it, the better it's actually going to be. And so it's, again, like right time. And if you push something until the end and you push something to the deadline, you have given yourself more opportunities to consider things. So like when I do a presentation, I know, Doug, you are also like this, is we tend to push the deadline (laughs) as to when we submit this presentation. And it's actually a good thing because it gives yourself more time to think of all of the ideas and give yourself a chance to put all these things together. And obviously, we still need deadlines because if we can procrastinate forever, nothing ever gets done. But there is there is some benefit to procrastinating if you're doing it intentionally. 
not intentional procrastination, not helpful. Right. But intentional procrastination actually does have a benefit. Yeah. yeah. And something that I've seen for myself through this is a lot of the time, like, I'll have this idea and in the moment it's like it seems great and it fits all of my different criteria. But then I give myself a month or six months to think about it. And as that time goes mm -hmm. by and as I have the time to think about all the different aspects of it and the, the overall painting that is my business, I start to realize that, yeah, not that great of an idea after all. You know? <laughs> so do you find that having... And I'm going to use the word have like in quotes. Do you find that having to put this in a business plan and, and everything goes into the business plan, do you find that having to make yourself put things in a business plan helps you or makes you make better decisions because it's a little bit less impulsive and it is a little bit more intentional? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, just the act of physically writing something down you know, makes it so much more real and concrete and allows you to truly process it mentally in a different way. You know, so if you don't write it down, it's just an idea, you know, flying around in your brain. It's not real. And just, and that's why I carry this notebook with me everywhere, you know, is I, and you can do this on note apps on your phone if that's how your brain works. I am just kind of old school and I, I like pen to paper, you know, and it makes it so mm -hmm. real and concrete to, to scribble it out and to draw little diagrams and all of that kind of stuff. And that's how my business plan is. My business plan is not this exact formatted, you know, masterpiece or anything. It's pieces of notebook paper and printer paper that are handwritten, mm -hmm. you know, all just kind of shoved in a folder. And then at the end of each year, you know, I sit down and I, I formalize it. I do type it out. I do have somewhat of a structure. But on my day-to-day -day stuff, it's very real. It's very in the moment. And mm. like I said, just the act of writing it down makes me think about it in a different way. And that's one of my biggest things that I wish I could tell any business owner is to carry a notebook and write things down. I think a lot of people think when they hear the word business plan, they think double spaced, you know, word doc, properly formatted with the right indentations and bullet lists and all these things. And you're saying, you know, maybe I do that at the end of the year. But as the year goes, like you said, it's maybe it's on a napkin. Maybe it's on a piece of paper. Maybe it's the gas receipt that you just had. You had a great idea. You had to write it down real quick yep. and you know shove that in a folder. Um, I love that because I think people get really intimidated. Again, especially people don't come from maybe a corporate background or a business background and they think fancy, they think formatted. Um, and you're saying it doesn't have to be that way. It could be kind of whatever you yeah, want. Does, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. And I think the whole way I came into this is that I didn't have the business background, you know, I and I knew that I didn't know what I was doing at the beginning and I knew that I wanted to do it better. I knew I needed to learn. And everything got really overwhelming for me when I just had all of this in my head, you know, and it, it just helped cure so much of my own personal anxiety just to sit down mm. and write it out, you know, and at that point, I didn't know anything about a business plan. I knew nothing about formatting or any of this kind of stuff. I mean, I just sat down with a piece of printer paper and some crayons and just started pouring my heart and soul and all of my dreams and goals onto this page. And then it turned into all of this. But it 
it gave me a reference mm -hmm. point. You know, it's having it in writing really gives you a reference point to bring everything back to. I will admit, I tend to um, be more in the theoretical <laughs> realm versus like the analytical. You're, you have much more of an analytical brain than I do. Um, and I think that's really cool that everybody doesn't have to do things the same way, right? I think in business, a lot of times we are told, you know, by the internet, everyone who has a keyboard can tell you the way you should be running your <laughs> business. And it's, there's not room for nuance. And, you know, people say, oh, you have to do it this way. You have to do it that way. And really what they're saying is, well, this is my personal experience and this is the way I think you should do this. But every person is so different and we all have different skills and we all have different gifts. Not all of us are analytical. Not all of us are great people managers or project managers and not all of us are super creative. But you can create a business plan that fits your way of looking at the world and your way of looking at business because it doesn't have to be just one thing. Right. Right. And there are so many different ways to go about everything it, it, in any industry, but especially in the pet sitting and dog walking industry. In our world, you know, where there's so many different ways to market your services to what do your services include and not include, you know, your policies. When are you, are you going to charge a, a late payment fee? Your, what's your cancellation fee? All this different kind of stuff. And yesterday I had someone ask me, he, he's starting a new business in Minnesota. And he asked me, uh, Doug, how did you get your first five clients? And I told him, it doesn't matter how I got my first five clients because mm. I am in a completely different part of the country than you. Uh, my personality is different than yours. My services are different than yours. My ideal client that I'm trying to attract is different from the ideal client that you are trying to attract. So what I did to get my first five clients doesn't matter. That's not going to help you. I'll tell you about it if you want to hear about it, but it's going to be a waste of everybody's time. <laughs> like, let's talk about you and what your goal is and what who your ideal client is. And then we can start figuring out how to get your client. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's that it's that system again. Right. Or that, um, you know, everyone tells you, oh, you've got to hire. The only way your business can ever be successful is if you hire this big team. And it's like, well, probably not, because, again, we're all individuals and how we want to run things is going to be completely different. And I think um, you've talked about building all that into a business plan. So yeah, if you want to hire, what kind of people do you want to hire? What do you want them to, you know, what kind of work do you want them to do? I think especially people start talking about, oh, I want to hire a manager. I want to hire an admin. What kind of work should I get them to do? Well, what do you want them to do? And I think, I don't know, is that something that you put into your business plan? Like, how do you, how do you, implement kind of that like that growth or maybe that that people side into a business oh, totally plan. totally i mean on the note of hiring you know if you are not optimized on your scheduling and your route planning and have your services priced appropriately and if you're not attracting clients that are okay with change of having different team members come in and out if it's it, it all fits together you know and you have to have this foundation of the correct pricing the correct policies the correct scheduling clients, all of this to be able to allow you to hire. And that's it. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I have a hiring course out and I that's one of my specialties is that I help people grow a team of pet sitters and dog walkers. I have 30 employees myself and it, it, it all starts with this foundation. And that comes down to the business plan. When you're outlining your services, when you're outlining your pricing, your policies, all of this kind of stuff has to uphold a 
a team based approach, you know, and if it doesn't, it's not going to work effectively. Um, and that's that's a situation mm-hmm. that I found myself in is, you know, I started as a solo pet sitter. I had no plans of ever hiring and growing a team. And when I started to hire, um, I had everything just totally screwed up. I had really, really low prices to where I was not able to pay my staff enough um, for it to even make sense for them to go do the job. And then I didn't have any profit margin left over at the end. And then like my scheduling policies, my payment policies, all of this kind of stuff didn't fit with having to pay employees, you know, for their time and their Mm -hmm. effort. So when I started hiring, I had to take a step back and reevaluate everything. And this is when I really started getting serious about the business plan and really starting putting things into writing and creating this overall strategy that that led me to a five-year goal. But I mean, you mentioned at the beginning uh, of this that, you know, things don't necessarily get easier or better as you grow and as you scale and, and do these different things. And that is definitely something that I have seen within my own business. You know, I, I didn't have a plan to hire at the beginning, but then as soon as I brought on my first employee, I was like, I need all the employees. <laughs> I'm going to hire them all, you know, the more, the, more better. the better, you know, and that that's how I led my business for several years. That was a key part of every decision that I made. And all of my, my five-year plan, everything came down to, I wanted to have the biggest team of pet sitters and dog walkers in the Southeast, period. And as soon as I got to about 30 employees, I said, oh, I don't know about this. And you, you, you said something uh, a few months ago to me that is just, I, I've taken this phrase from you and ran with it. I love this. You said new level, new devil. Yes. And I got that from Cindy Cork, who is the owner of Scout and Zoe's treats so shout out to cindy she said that to me once at um at super zoo last year actually and because we were talking with another lady who was looking to wholesale because she does like online collars and and harnesses and things like that and she's looking like oh i'd really like to start wholesaling is that a good idea and cindy said well new level new devil you know it could be a good idea but it doesn't necessarily make your life easier because there's new details that come with this and so it's not easier, but it's different. So for people maybe who want something different, um, again, maybe their skill set is on like the analytical side and they or they really love training a team. You know, you can take that new level and kind of niche in on what your skill set is. But yeah, it doesn't get easier. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I, I mean, shout out to Cindy for that. I mean, <laughs> I love that <laughs> phrase and it's it's so true. And, you know, and that was my mindset. I thought, if I could have all these employees doing all the dog walks mm-hmm. and all the pet sets and all the scheduling, then my life will just be wonderful. And then all of a sudden, when yeah. you have, you know, different managers dealing with different things and you have all these different personalities and all these different skill sets and mm-hmm. all these different moving pieces and parts, it's like, ah, I don't know, there might be another way to go about this. And, 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 and everybody's... Uh, skill set is different. Everybody's desire is different. And I think kind of the mm-hmm. the the point, the, the key takeaway for anybody listening from this is that it's okay if you sit down with your crayons and you write out your business plan 
and you say, you know, this is my five-year goal. And then you get there and you decide it wasn't where you wanted to be Mm -hmm. and you want to change course, that's totally fine. And that's, that is the truth for so many different people and so many different businesses, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's okay that what's important is to just keep moving, you know, put one foot in front of another, keep revising your plan, you know, remember that it's a living, breathing document, you can go back and tweak, tweak things and change things and make things more optimized as you learn, because your entire mindset about everything is going to shift entirely as you have more experiences mm-hmm. with clients and more experiences with other businesses and all of this kind of stuff, your overall mindset at a core level will change. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I know, Doug, you and I are really comfortable with, I like to say your business is an experiment and you got to try something to decide whether you like it or not, right? You had to try getting 30 employees. You did things differently, right? So you grew your business to 30 employees and then you changed things up. And I think that for a lot of people, that's really scary. So for people who really like certainty or people who really like, you know, to know what's coming tomorrow, the idea of experimenting is like, no way. Why? Why? Why would I ever put myself in a position to experiment? And um, I think that we can have some of our best ideas when we experiment. And I think when I like to experiment intentionally. So like I said, I did uh, treats for a while. I did a soft experiment on treats. I made them myself in my kitchen, you know, small batches. I didn't go out and buy $3,000 worth of bakery equipment to test out doing dog treats. For a lot of people who have a hard time experimenting, do you have any suggestions for how to maybe work that into a business plan so it's a little bit less scary for them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it was terrifying for me when I woke up. I I mean, it it was kind of like a, a light switch moment, you know, for me where I had been running on this treadmill for so long with this goal. And then I woke up one day and said, you know, I don't want to have a ton of employees. You know, I want to have a, a, a big business. You know, I do want to have some employees. I still want to have this impact on clients' lives and our overall community, but I want to do it in a different way. So mm-hmm. uh, what I did is I started kind of restructuring our services and the way that we presented our services and the way that we priced our services, all of this kind of stuff to really be able to allow us to make the same amount of money, but to work with less clients and therefore have to employ less people in the process. That was terrifying, though. And the thought of making those changes, you know, was very anxiety inducing until I put it on paper. And then I said, you know, it's okay. I have this foundational base. And I know that if I make a huge mistake, I can reverse it. You know, if, if you roll out a new mm. policy and your clients don't like it and they start jumping ship, you can retract the policy. You know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not life or death on this stuff. It's okay. And sometimes we forget that we are human beings working with other human beings. You know, it, it's easy to forget that. It, it's, you know, it, yeah. it, it's important to remind ourselves that we all have fluctuations in life. We all go through changes. We all, all of our dreams and goals shift over time. And as long as we're honest mm-hmm. and transparent with ourselves first, 
And then the other people that we are involving in these decisions, our clients, our employees, et cetera, et cetera, as long as we're honest and transparent and upfront and have some form of a plan and don't take ourselves too seriously either, you know, it'll all be okay. It will be all okay. I think there's like there's like a little meme I think of when you're talking about this, which is like I'm looking for an adultier adult. And then I realize yeah. like that I am the, like I am the adult, but I need an adultier yeah. adult. I think we have this opinion or this kind of this viewpoint that everybody else has everything figured out. And we are the only ones who are experimenting or who are having to try something. And maybe it works and maybe it doesn't. Um, and it's hard sometimes to realize, like you said, everybody out there is a human and every other human doesn't really know what they're doing and they're just trying to figure yep. it out. And one of the reasons I wanted to have this podcast and to have these kind of authentic and candid conversations is because I want people to know that they are not alone. Like if you don't know what your next policy decision needs to be or you don't know what your next strategy needs to be or what you should be putting in your business plan, like that's okay. And it's okay to start small and to test it and to decide, did I like this? Did I not like this? And everybody else is doing that. Even these ginormous, you know, multi-bajillion dollar companies, they're also testing things out. Like nobody has everything figured out. We may have learned lessons along the way that we think can help each other, but none of us have everything figured out and, and it's okay. You're not yeah. alone. Yeah. And I, I love testing things. I'm always A-B testing everything from email subject lines to YouTube video titles to policies within my pet sitting and dog walking business. I'm always A-B testing everything. And I have a group of like 10 clients that have been with us for years. And anytime I'm going to roll out any kind of a change, I roll it out to those 10 first before I roll it out publicly, mm. before I roll it out to our entire client base. I roll it out to those 10 clients first, and then I get their honest, real feedback. I'm also a huge fan of surveys. You know, uh, make a quick Google form, email, out, email it out to your clients and get honest, legitimate feedback that you can track and use that data within your planning. You know, and if I roll something out to these 10 clients and they all hate it, Okay, well, at least I didn't roll it out to everybody. I can retract it real quick and we're all good. We're yeah. all good. The ball is still rolling. Mm -hmm. And those are probably, I'm going to, you know, obviously they've been with you for that long. Like those are probably the people who are going to be the most forgiving yeah. where if it doesn't work or even if it, it doesn't work like you thought it was going to work and they took it in a completely different, you know, light, you can say, oh, okay, well, sorry, guys, that's not quite what I was planning on, like those are the people who are going to be able to say, oh, that's OK, because we really love your services. And, you know, that's fine. What I really like, too, about when you've been talking about business planning, um, I think a lot of times the business plan gets seen as something different from like a strategic plan. And what I love from what I'm hearing you say, maybe it's my own interpretation, but you're really kind of combining the two together. And so you're kind of incorporating your strategy within your business plan. And I think when people are thinking about like the values of their business, I'm a huge proponent of having a value that actually means something yeah. <laughs> and not just like our values are being trustworthy and transparent. And it's like, well, that can that can kind of apply to a, a million different things. Whereas one of our values is being big hearted. Ooh, I love that. We we are yeah, we we love big. Like we are not judgmental. We are helpful. We help, you know, continuing education. 
Like these things are are an actual item that you can um, apply to different things. So if I want to say, okay, well, if part of our values is to be, you know, community focused, I should probably be putting in my business plan. Like, what does that actually mean? Right. You know, am I doing community events? Are we, you know, offering also, you know, there's so many options of how you can apply being community minded to your business plan. But if you don't put that in, are you actually living out your values or is it just, you know, a mouthpiece maybe you put on your website or you put on your wall? But I love the idea of using your your business plan as as a strategic plan to really lay out, well, how are we going to actually live out these values that our business upholds? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's exactly how I view the business plan is it is an actionable, real plan. A business plan isn't just some word doc that you work up and then, you know, you never open again. And it just is a mission statement, a vision statement and an outline of your services. That's not really that helpful. You know, it has to be a document they're actually going to use day to day and you're going to take it seriously. And like I said, you know, it's it has to be actionable. You know, I view it as a Mm. true actual plan. It's not just some template, you know, um, Mm-hmm. I, I love that you uh, talked about being community minded uh, is that's my, my mission statement for my pet sitting and dog walking business is to uplift and inspire our local community through our work with pets and their families. That's our mission statement. So within our uh, actual business plan, I work in all kinds of things that uphold that mission statement, such as. We plan uh, regular uh, park cleanups in some of the um, mm. underfunded parks in our in our area. We uh, donate several thousand uh, doggy poo bags to the city-run dog parks every year as a way to give back. You know, and then when we're hiring, you know, I ask her a lot of questions that really uh, go straight to the core of. How involved is this person in the community and do they value mm-hmm. their local community? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it all fits together. It all fits together. And I think I think it's important if you are a solo, you know, service provider. But I think it's also important if you or even maybe more important if you have a team of bringing those people along with you. And I know a lot of people say, well, should I hire? And for me, it's very much like, well, do you have a mission and a purpose that you want somebody else to help you take forward? Because if not, what's the point of hiring? You know, is it just to get a like a weekend off occasionally? Well, you could network right. and, you know, or just tell your clients no occasionally. I know it's, you know, it's kind of sacrilege for a lot of us <laughs> to tell our clients no. But, um, you know, there's other ways to get more life balance that don't necessarily include hiring. But I love this idea of putting all of that into a business plan. And then I'm assuming, do you kind of help share this with your employees in a way to help make sure that they are living out the values of your business at also like oh, yeah. how have you tried to kind of put those two together because again you're all about hiring and how do you help your team kind of be that business that you want it to yeah. be yeah yeah i mean there's so many different little key questions and things that we ask and do throughout the entire application and interview process that really Again, just gets to the core of of who they are as a person and allows me to kind of see where their morals are. You know, is uh, I, mm-hmm. I can train anybody to walk a dog. I can train anybody to clean a litter box. I cannot train them to have the right morals and values that align with my brand and our mm-hmm. overall mission. 
once they get through that application and interview process, our very first meeting with them as a new employee, before we get into any of the uh, actual training, our first meeting is an hour-long session where we sit down and I make them a part of our story. I explain to them mm. how and why I started the business. I explain some of our business biggest successes and failures over the years. And I really do everything that I can throughout this meeting to tie everything back to our values and our mission and our vision. That way, when they leave this meeting, before we start any of the actual training, they feel like they're a part of the story. They understand what we stand for as a business. And that allows them also the opportunity to say like, well, this is, this is going to be great for me, or mm, I don't know about this. And I have had people mm -hmm. where I've, I've hired them. I'm, a, I'm an openly gay man. My business is very, we put on everything that we're uh, LGBTQ plus uh, friendly. We're gay owned. I market my business at pride events every year. And that is part of our values as a business, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I've hired people over the years that for whatever reason, you know, they come in for this meeting and maybe that doesn't jive with them. And it's better to mm -hmm. it's you want people that believe in your mission and what you stand for. And you need to get everybody on the same page on day one, you know, because it's not going to be good mm -hmm. for them. It's not going to be good for you. and It's not going to be good for your clients or your community if you have someone out there. Uh, presenting your brand that doesn't fully believe in it. Absolutely. And like you said, it's a it's kind of a waste of everybody's time. Right. Um, and, you know, I think especially as a service provider um, or what could be called a high touch service provider, you know, like what we do, what housekeepers do, you know, we are in their homes. We are um, in, you know, kind of their most sacred <laughs> sanctuary for their for their selves. And there needs to be trust there. And I people always ask me, um, well, gosh, don't your clients meet every single person who's going to be taking care of their pets? And I said, in my business, they don't. They meet me and I build up a trust and a rapport with our clients. And then I transfer that trust and that rapport into our employees and to our team. And if I can't trust my employees and my employees can't trust me um, and we can't have some kind of comfort level with each other. It's really hard to then push that forward onto our clients um, because they're going to feel like something's not quite right. And so I think, you know, it's a, that's a hang up. I think that a lot of people who are going from solo or who want to be hiring a team really struggle with in that question of how do I get my clients on board with this? But, um, you know, really, how do you build that trust and how can you help move that trust between you and your teammates? And I think a lot of that comes down, again, do we have similar values? And I don't think that we have to be, we're not creating replicas of ourselves, right? right? Like, I'm not, I, my, my team is not a whole bunch of Morgans <laughs> who all do things the exact same way that I do and who believe the exact same things that I do. But we can all get together on the big stuff right. and all of our values. Like, we agree on our values that we share and we can agree on you know, um, all of these, like you said, these core principles of who we are as people and who we are as a business. Um, and yeah, if you don't want to get on that boat, like that's cool. I'm sure there's another boat that's going to fit that person better. Right. And, you know, there's nothing worse than an employee who is not that happy to be there because that's going to show through on their work. Um, and they're representing you every time they show up at a, at a, a client's house. And, 
I know when I'm burnt out, I don't do well. Um, you know, my work suffers. And I think by creating a business plan, we can probably help create a little bit less burnout in our lives. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. It helps. It, the, the business plan just kind of helps keep all of this stuff in check. It helps kind of keep you organized, mm -hmm. moving on the, the right path. And um, just another quick note on, on hiring is, um, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people hire pet sitters and dog walkers because they're scared to tell their clients no, or they think that that's the only way to grow their business. But I think that you're really doing yourself a disservice as a business owner and as a pet professional to hire for those reasons. You need mm. to have an innate desire to lead, not manage, but lead a team of people. You know, if you don't actually want to be there and be the leader that they need and deserve every day on the good days and especially on the bad days, then you should not be hiring. And I think mm. that's something that a lot of people don't really think about. They don't think about, you know, are we aligned on our values? Are we aligned on our morals? And what's going to happen when there is an issue? Am I going to be the leader that they need and that my business needs in that situation? And, and it's not as easy as interviewing someone and then just putting some visits on their schedule and hoping for the best. It, it's it's not that easy, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, it's it's hard. Um, and I love how you say that, because, again, when we started this conversation, you said the first thing you should do when you create a business plan is understand your mission, your vision, your values, your principles. Um, and if you can't share those with other people, they can't possibly be the ambassador of your brand and of your company if you don't even know what your company stands for. And um, I had a I had a COO of uh, the first business I worked for, the first firm I worked for at architecture school. And I did not. I was one of those employees who didn't quite drink the Kool-Aid <laughs> when I showed up. The 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 company had this kind of this vision again of, of who they were going to be. And, and I didn't really drive with that, which is probably why I only stayed there for like a year, year and a half. Um, but it was at the beginning of when I worked there, we had an all team meeting and it's like a hundred and some employees across three states and it's this big company. And the COO said something which has stuck with me to this day, which is hope is not a strategy. And I, again, I'm kind of more of a the theoretical person. Um, I have a harder time sometimes with all of kind of the details and writing everything out. Um, but that has stuck with me so much that even if you're not creating this, you know, very detailed, fleshed out business plan, you still need a strategy and you still need intention and you can't just hope to be successful. Um, and I know we had a, a year where we were doing really great, thing, business was going up. And then suddenly we had, you know, a bunch of our, clients moved away. They had pets that passed away. And so suddenly our business started going back down again. And it was one of those moments of like, oh, crap, what am I going to do here? Like, do I, I didn't really have we had never been in we hadn't been in that position for five years, maybe. And so it was this moment of like, well, do I just hope that more <laughs> clients are going to show up? You know, what is my strategy to actually make this happen? And I was like, you know, if I had a business plan where I actually wrote some of these things out and I was tracking my metrics. I probably could have caught this problem a little bit sooner than I actually did. 
but um, it was a great lesson to learn. But I think that, you know, again, if hope is not a strategy. And if we put our strategy into a business plan and we we try to at least put something on paper, even if it's very minimal, right, just starting small um, because it can be overwhelming. So if we can start small, we can at least get some um, kind of grasp on on moving forward. I know you're really passionate, Doug, about making sure that business owners, especially pet business owners, can be successful. And um, you want to make sure that people start off on the right foot and that you have such a wealth of information on your YouTube videos and in your social media. And I think that, you know, you're really trying to help people understand the same thing. Hope is not a strategy. Like we have to put some real intention into our plans um, because success doesn't just happen. None of us here, maybe we had some success at the beginning where we got our first couple clients and then we could go part-time and then we can go full-time. But going beyond that especially really takes some intention and some, um, again, planning for success. Yeah, I love that. Hope is not a strategy. Everybody should have that on a sticky note on their wall. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I have a little little sticky, a little post-it note on my computer that says, yeah, hope is not a strategy. And even when, again, I'm not always um, as detailed with my analytics, I at least have an intention to my strategy. And I think maybe for people who are really struggling with creating that first official business plan or that first, you know, kind of planning document of some sort, you've had some really great tips here today on how to just get started. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And everybody, like everybody that's listening, don't overthink it, you know, uh, keep it simple, you know, keep it simple, break out the crayons, you know, write it on a napkin. You don't have to get super intensive. You don't have to write a whole manifesto in one sitting, you know, write your mission statement this week. Next week, define your ideal client avatar. The week after that, work on your values. You can piece it all together over time. But like you just said, Morgan, it's all about being intentional. It's all about being intentional and just keeping the ball moving. It can be so hard, especially as You know, if you are in the weeds and you're in the field full time, maybe you're listening to this while you're walking a dog or you're driving down the highway, it can be hard to take that time to be intentional and to take that time and set it aside when you have no other commitments or no other requirements and nobody is bugging you for anything um, to just focus on these things. And um, I talked recently about the importance of white space and creating kind of just this empty time in our calendar. And it's important to allow your brain to just work um, and to not always be taking all these inputs in all the time, to take that time aside and just have a moment where nobody needs anything from you and your brain can just kind of free dump things out. Like I know I always used to listen to podcasts in the shower or I'd be listening to an audiobook or something. And I finally realized that gosh, if I just allow my brain to churn away, like things will come up <laughs> that I haven't allowed to come up before. Or if I take a couple minutes at the end of the day, and I just sit there. And even if it's on my note, like the notes app on my phone, if I just suddenly I'll have an idea and it's like, oh, I got to write this down or I'm going to forget. Or like you said, you have a piece of paper that you just, you know, you're putting into a folder and then you're going to get to at the end of the year. However, that looks like if we just make sure we're actually taking the time because we can't be intentional if we don't have the time to be intentional. We get we can get so wrapped up in doing the work that we don't get to do these other things that are also important. Oh, yeah. And that's so true. That's so true. I love that you mentioned uh, listening to podcasts in the shower and stuff. And 
that's something I'm so guilty of. I always have like an audio book or a podcast or something kind of going in the mm-hmm. background. But just recently, you know, like right now I'm I'm in the middle of making some big changes to my existing business. I'm launching a new business and there's a lot of moving pieces and parts in my life. I just moved all kinds of different stuff going on. And I realized throughout really just the last couple of months that by turning off the podcast, turning off the audiobook, and allowing myself that time to just think and to just sit and to have my thoughts. And like you said, to let my brain work, it helps cure my anxiety. It helps everything flow a little mm-hmm. bit better. I have better thought processes, better ideas, all this kind of stuff. And it's not. I think uh, in today's world, it's easy to let yourself slip into this like information overload. You know, it's we we all have TikTok brain now, and like, <laughs> and and is you're you're gonna have TikTok brain forever if you don't, you know, shut it down and give yourself that white space that that you're talking. About. Mm-hmm. And I will admit, I am not always great at like regular white space for myself. Like I talk about the importance of it, but. Um, sometimes I have to remind myself that, oh, yep, I haven't taken that time this week. I need to make sure I do that. So I gave this presentation at the Florida Pet Services Association, which, Doug, you are a founding member and the vice president of. You guys hosted an amazing summit. Thank you so much for coming. It was incredible. Oh, I loved it. I loved every part of that. It was just a fantastic time. And I had booked kind of unintentionally, I had booked a really late flight out the day after the conference because I had some plans change. By the time I did that, I couldn't fly out until seven o'clock at night. And so I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do this whole day? And I was like, oh, I'm going to do white space time. So I brought out my notebook and I, I just sat by the pool because I had a couple hours before I had to check out. And I just started kind of writing just whatever thought came into my brain. And suddenly I, I had this whole brain dump download of honestly, things I had been thinking about for the last three years just suddenly were perfectly formed and just kind of came out of my brain. I was writing them down ferociously. And then I got to the airport and I was like, oh, I have another idea. And I started like (laughs) outlining all of these things. And it was kind of just this proof that we do need this white space. And also it's okay to think about things for a while. You know, we said this earlier, you might think about something for a year or six months and it wasn't quite ready yet and it, it might come ready later. So also don't be afraid where if you sit there with your white space time and nothing comes to you, that's also okay. Don't give up on this as like a practice to kind of keep going. Yeah, yeah. It's way easier said than done, you know? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> I, 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 know, I know we can relate on this because it's, it's so hard to carve out the time when you have all these tasks on your weekly to-do list and, and there's so many different things going on in your life. The thought of sitting down for 10, 15 minutes and just not doing anything is like, oh my God, why, why would I do that? I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. But sometimes that's the, that is the best 10 minutes you could ever give yourself. You know, and mm-hmm. I think uh, something that, that I've gotten better about is giving myself at least 10 or 15 minutes between meetings. Mm-hmm. I used to roll like from one meeting straight to the next or one dog walk straight to the next and literally just giving yourself like 10 or 15 minutes to just kind of sit back and, and process the meeting that you just had and think about mm-hmm. it, and maybe make some notes, maybe not make some notes, just just sit, you know, that can be that can make a phenomenal impact on your entire life 
your business, everything. Yeah. Mm. I think we should just leave it there, Doug. I think because that was such a brilliant little nugget to end with. Just thank you so much for having me, Morgan. I mean, I just, this has been incredible. I I can't tell you how excited I am that you're finally rolling out this podcast. You mentioned the idea to me, like what, over a year ago? And literally every time I see you or we we talk, I'm like, when's the podcast coming? When's the podcast coming? Because I know you, you just have such a way of, of, uh, kind of orchestrating these ideas and presenting the right message to the overall industry. So I, I know you're going to make such an impact with this podcast and we're all rooting for you. Oh. Thank you, Doug. And uh, yeah, I appreciate that. And it is something um, I've been thinking about for a long time, but I definitely, again, I wanted to be intentional, right? Like I wanted to make sure that um, I kind of had this fully fleshed idea of what this should be. And and, you know, and we talked earlier, too, about iterations. You know, what I thought this podcast was going to be even six months ago, um, I have a I use Trello. I don't know if you use Trello at all, but I love Trello. Yeah, yeah. And I found this uh, card kind of it's like a little post-it note like on a board. And I found this one that I wrote, I don't know, three or six months ago. And I was like, oh, wow, that's completely different than what we're doing today. <laughs> so, again, it's this idea of experimenting is OK. Write something down. And even if it it's not that fully formed final idea. It's okay because you will, you're going to, your brain is going to um, evolve and you're going to get new information and things are going to change, but it's okay to start again, start a business plan, start a strategy plan, just write something down. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be final, write it down and you'll come back to it later and you might change it. You might not, but just be intentional, write something down. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. I want people to know how to find you. So why don't you tell us you're all over the social medias. Um, where can people learn more about Doug the Dog Guy? You can find me on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Doug the Dog Guy. I post videos every week just sharing my experiences as a pet sitter and dog walker and pet business owner. Also on Instagram at uh, Doug the Dog Guy official. TikTok is Doug the Dog Guy. Uh, you can see more about my hiring course. It's relaunched with some upgrades and additions and everything. Um, and Morgan, thank you so much for being a guest industry leader in the course. You provide so much uh, great information in your lesson. So thank you for that. That's uh, You can go to DougTheDogGuy.co.co uh, to see all about that. And uh, Facebook too. Just look up Doug Keeling and I'm there. And I will give a plug for your course, Doug, because like you said, I did a guest lesson um, for the first version of this course that you did. And I thought it was a fantastic course the first time. And I have seen updates for version two. And I am just blown away by how much value and how much. And this is like this is not a a paid sponsorship, right? (laughs) Like I'm not you're not making me say this. (laughs) This was not scripted. Um, but truly there is so much value that you are putting into this course. It's not just a, Hey, should you hire a course? Like it is an all encompassing, you have so much information and you have such a great community of people who are helping support your course that it's just people, even if you have a team, you should still take Doug's hiring course because it is, there is so much in there. So there's my unofficial official plug. Oh man. Thank you. Thank you. That means the world to me. And it's it's all true. It's all true. You have, there's just so much in there. So um, you're doing great things, Doug, and we so appreciate you. Thanks, Morgan. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Stay positive, everybody. 
Thank you so much for listening today. You can find show notes, transcripts, and more on our website, luckypuppod.com. Don't forget, review, comment, like, share this conversation with your friends. Then don't forget to reach out. You can find us on Instagram at luckypuppod or luckypuppodcast on Facebook. Or send us an email, info at luckypuppod.com. Until then, don't forget to live a more full and happy life. We'll talk to you soon.